Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son, ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Welcome back to the second episode of the 704 cast. My name is Matt Wood. Joining me as always is Corey Adams and Wes Harrison. This week we'll be discussing uh, Justin Fields, uh, free agency. Uh, we'll look back at Thomas Davis and Greg Olson's time here in Carolina. We'll talk about some of our favorite memories of the two. And uh, we'll open up this week's podcast uh, with a little bit of news from around the league uh, about what's happened this week. Uh, Corey, if you want to get us started. What's going on, everybody? Corey Adams here again. Uh, glad to be back. Um, as always, if this is your first time, make sure you give us a like. It takes literally two seconds to click the button. But I will start by the big bombshell that dropped on the NFL world this week. Dak Prescott gets his deal finally with the Cowboys. He agrees to a four-year, $160 million contract with $126 million in guaranteed money. Uh, so he finally signs with uh, Jerry. Jerry finally gives him his – his deal that he's been asking for um, just shows goes to show you that if you're have a quarterback in the NFL, you got to pay him eventually. Um, and I think that this does nothing but make that Deshaun Watson contract look even better. So that was Agreed. the big news this week. Agree completely. And uh, I'll add that I saw several people saying that this was Jerry tipping his hand at a future uh, increase in that, that salary cap going, going off the TV deal coming up. So think think that could be, be big, especially if, if, if Deshaun is, is in our cards. That's yeah. So I wish they would have just kept the, I wish they would have just kept the cap, let the cap get that TV deal done and then let, then came out with the cap instead of keeping it the same, but that's neither here nor there. We're not the NFL. We can't decide that. <laughs> hey, good for Dak though. He got his 40 million a year that he was looking for and he got the four-year contract. <clears throat> I know earlier last year in contract talks, uh, they were trying to push for five years, and he went four years to get that, uh, get to free agency sooner and get another payday. So good for him, especially coming off that injury of last year. Uh, Wes, uh, what else has happened around the league this week? Uh, TB, Tom Brady restructured his contract, give them more cap space this year. Uh, Four-year deal, but only guaranteed through 22, pretty sure. So he – Two, two seasons guaranteed still in Tampa Bay, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him stick around longer. Uh, I think he wants a couple rings to stick it to Bill. <laughs> yeah, and he's just looking to do that restructure to kind of give yeah. the team more cap space and try to help build a, you know more people around him, uh, build a better team, 
you know, but and he takes a sacrifice. It's not like Tom Brady needs the money. I mean, we know Giselle's bringing in the money at this point. Like you yeah, said, she, hey, she, she's bringing home the bacon in that relationship. <laughs> at this point, do you like guys you think? Do you guys think that uh, that this is going to let them uh, resign Shaq? As soon as I saw it, that's the first thing that popped in my head. They 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 tagged Godwin, and I mean, I think this money just just means Shaq's coming back. Tom Tom knew that defense won that game for them. Yeah, Tom, Tom knows sure. they need him back, so I, I think that was a big piece of it. What's Tampa's cap? Uh, I mean, Shaq's projected to what make eighteen million a year? Is that right? Yeah, I was eighteen or nineteen. Um, pulling, pulling up Tampa's cap space now. Okay, but because they he's going to get they, paid regardless by somebody. So. They tagged Godwin, uh, so they still have to resign uh, Gronk and AB got yeah. Gronk will, Gronk will take a one year bet, man. Be back. I think that Tom, yeah, to stay with his boy. AB's not and going Tom anywhere. Brady. Tom Brady. Tom Brady loves him. AB. Tampa's at eight mil right now. Eight point seven. Whew. Uh, 8.7 in cap. Mm-hmm. That's that's uh-huh. I, I did not think it was that wow. bad. But, I mean, uh-huh. we've seen, I mean, New Orleans still strangers negative 11. So <laughs> I, I just was about to say stranger things. I mean, somehow New Orleans always seems you know they could have you know negative two dollars in the cap and they'd still be able to sign somebody for a three year deal. 17 million a year somehow. I don't know how they get up. I just don't understand how they, they, they do what they do, but they just they manipulate it and make it work. Well, they kick the can down the road. That's what they're gonna do. Always. And eventually it's caught up to them. I mean, what they still have to cut Latavius, right? They haven't they haven't done that. No, not yet. So I guess that's probably the the last piece, well, one of the last pieces to fall. But I mean it's <laughs> well, Bree's retirement, that'll clear a, a little bit of money since he restructured to give them more cap space as well. I don't know. It's a it's a mess. Atlanta's, I think, what Jake Matthews had to restructure. Yep, I think that's and, it. Um, the Falcons are negative seven. The Rams, even after getting off Goff's money, are at negative thirty-two. Yeah, I saw an article this morning that they still had a lot of work to do over the next four days. That's tough. Uh, so we are at so this week we tagged. Taylor Moten and wrapped him up. So that puts us at what 32 million cap space now going forward. If my my memory's correct. Yeah, just over correct. 32 five. And I think we um we get I don't think it's also factor in that we another two more million uh June first when that Trey Boston cut kicks in. So that'll be big. Two million dollars. Yeah. So that'll take us to 34. Mm-hmm. All right. The other bombshell that you know this these this cap situation is just it's it's making these crazy moves. The Chiefs release both starting tackles, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Uh, that's I did not see that coming. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Uh, I know they were both coming off of injuries. Um, Fisher hurt himself in the AFC Championship game. I believe it was his Achilles. So. Yeah. And his cap hit That's, was massive, though. Fisher, Fisher's cap hit was massive. Swartz wasn't wasn't quite as bad. Um, they're still negative too. So I understand the Fisher. They're going to have to do something. So I don't 
I don't quite understand the Schwartz because if, if you've got to replace both, you're still and you're negative in cap. I don't I don't I don't know what you're gonna do there other than possibly address it in the draft, but I mean you can't feel too good about paying a left tackle big money uh, coming off an Achilles injury. No, I think no. if I remember correctly, his cap hit was going to be 15 mil and they saved roughly 12 of that by cutting. So designated on failed physical. So I guess that's their, their loophole there. Yeah. Uh, another former Panthers news, Michael Pilardi signs with the Dolphins. Just throwing that out there. Um, nothing major. And then I guess the last one we didn't mention was A-Rob. Butler restructured. Yep. A-Rob got the tag as well up in Chicago to uh, be the lone receiver that Russ runs around and tries and chuck the ball up to after the, after this trade's done. <laughs> do you guys, do you guys think like, what's your, what's your percentage on that trade actually getting done between the Bears and the Seahawks? I think if Russ goes anywhere, that's the one that's going to happen. I think the Bears are ready to make another stupid move by trading the future for a quarterback. And this one, this one's at least a good quarterback. Um, he's a good quarterback that's probably a little too, little too old to mortgage the future for. But um, I'm glad we're not the ones all in on on Russ. So. Mr. Unlimited. God, get out let of Russ, here. Let Russ come. Cringe, cringeworthy. <laughs> Man should be ashamed of himself. Boy, uh-uh. I mean, if he wants, he, if he if he wants to go up to Chicago and not win another Super Bowl, that's fine with me. I mean, Allen Robinson's not happy, anyways. Even with the tag, they paid Tariq Cohen instead of giving him a payday. And then they paid Tariq Cohen to not use him. Well, he got hurt, right? <laughs> well, I, but, but even yeah. before that, I mean, even before his injury, I mean, he was getting five to six touches a game. I mean, it wasn't even – And this was crazy. back when David Montgomery was rushing for like 40 yards a game. I mean, he turned it on at the end of the season, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, he wasn't doing anything prior to that. But Tariq's a more explosive guy. Chicago, I'll be interested to see how that goes. I wouldn't want to go play there on – you know, if I was an offensive player, but let them go ahead and make another dumb trade and, hey, send Russ out there and by all means – Hope it doesn't work. I'm out. sure Sierra will be sure Sierra would be happy with the weather in Chicago. <laughs> I mean, it's one of his four options. So <laughs> for why it's one of his four options, I still haven't figured it out. Vegas made sense a little bit. Um, but uh, Chicago, I, the only reason it makes sense is just the big city. It's not not the team by any means. No. Absolutely not. All right. Moving on. So uh, this this week. Yep. Thomas Davis and Greg Olson both signed one-day contracts and retired as Carolina Panthers, uh, a day that's been long coming. Uh, eventually, the next step will be having their names put into the ring of honor, and then the Hall of Fame, we'll see, uh, both very deserving, especially what Thomas had to battle throughout his career and, and the numbers he was able to put up. Greg also three consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, was the first tight end to ever do that in the history of the NFL. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on uh, what happened this week? Maybe talk about your – favorite Thomas Davis or Greg Olson memory? So, yeah, I would like to start just with Thomas. Uh, um, I'm so happy with the way the organization handled the whole bringing them in and the ceremony was amazing what they did. Um, that's one thing that I'll give Tepper 
lot of credit for is realizing who this fan base does care about, even if it was before his time, um, and honoring them the right way. There's not enough words or not enough time for me to fully describe how I feel about Thomas Davis. When you talk about Thomas Davis, not just the football player, but the man he is, to go through what he went through, three ACL tears, and he just kept coming and kept fighting. And it never – he only got better as a person. Some people could have taken that and just sulked and gotten and turned into a complete, you know, asshole. But Thomas Davis was always the consummate pro on and off the field. He means so much to me personally as a Panthers fan. Just – he represents everything – that I think keep pounding stands for. And I, he represents everything that I think being a man is about, you know, getting punched in the face over and over and over and over again and just coming back time and time and time again and not letting the uh, struggle that you go through tear you down, but you grow stronger and better through it. And, I mean, you can see he was – I mean, he was a beast when he first came into the league, but his best years were, you know, right there beside Luke. And, you know, Luke's always going to get – the credit Luke's always going to be because he's the top five middle linebacker of all time. But, you know, you, I'll never for, let anybody say anything about Luke without also saying, well, TD was right there beside of him. TD was the vocal leader of the team. Watching him and Cam go at it in training camp practices was like the reason I went to training camp practices. That was so much fun to watch them to feed off each other. TD deserves a statue. TD's top three favorite player of all time. I'll never forget TD. I'll tell my kids about TD. I love TD. My favorite TD moment, I, I can't even, like, begin to even – there's so many. Um, that in 2015, uh, picking off Aaron Rodgers right there at the goal line to beat the Packers, that crazy athletic interception – to seal that game, I thought we were going to get blown out at the time, but you know we won. And again, it was just week after week proving all of us and all the other doubters wrong. And that 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 moment was huge. So, TD, I love you, big dog, forever, always. It's fifty-eight, man. Wes, what about Almost you? Story time the other day. Love, love, love that from Corey. Uh, I mean, like he said, everybody likes loves to talk about Luke, but but TD was the heart and soul of that, of of making that defense elite for for several years when it was. Um, you can't talk about Luke without without like like Corey said again, um, without mentioning TD. It's it's I hate how how it went down. The same with Greg. The in the having how they had to leave the team, but I love, I love the ceremony of them coming back. Um, would have, would have loved for the retirement to not have to be on a ceremony like this and it to be on, on them, on him playing his last season with us. But either way, it was awesome to see. I loved his suit. That was, that was, that was insane. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I'd say, and also, like Corey said, off the field, you could not have asked for a better member of the the Charlotte community to be one of the faces of your franchise for however many years it was, but it was a long time. Um, and then on with with the on the field, I think one of the most memorable things for me is seeing that picture of his forearm stitched up 
Oh yeah. And then him playing um, that, that, that was just like, how in the world, man, how are you out there? How, how are you out there playing? So I can, I like sprain sprain my ankle and I don't even want to get to work. <laughs> I, I'm, I work at a computer at home and it's like, I sprain my ankles. Like, I think I need a day off today or something. I think, I think I, 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 I don't think I can walk from the bed to the office. That's a that's a good point. Uh, Thomas's career, unfortunately, was clouded by injuries early on, and it, it just seemed like when he got going, something would happen. Uh, the final ACL tear came against the Packers, ironically enough, and then you know for him to have that play uh, to steal the game in in 2015 that uh, Corey was talking about. Excuse me, 2017. Um, yeah, that, 2017, uh, that that Corey was Corey was talking about uh, just to come around full circle. And, and the thing is, even in the NFC Championship game, uh, me and Corey were, were both there. Uh, Thomas t- uh, broke his arm. He still got hurt in it, still did everything he could to play in the, in the Super Bowl. I still have a picture on my phone of his arm wrapped up of uh, him and Luke um, holding the trophy, uh, the NFC Championship trophy. Uh, my favorite memory of Thomas probably comes from, and Corey will like this, uh, it's the 2013 uh, game against the Saints at home. Uh, Thomas oh, yeah. had a, a crazy pick. Uh, that led to uh, D'Angelo Williams' 50-yard touchdown run uh, right after that, and and that kind of set the tone for the game. This that game in general is probably one of my favorite that I've been at for a lot of different reasons. But uh, that play always being completely, out being completely, uh, <laughs> you know, soaked <laughs> on that, and you're not even caring, not yeah. giving a single solitary. You know, it was. Amazing. That was such a fun game. I think that game also shows a lot about how the fan base started to change. We were used to fans leaving when it rained. They would go leave the seats. that They weren't loud. But when that day, you know, the Saints were used to playing in the Dome, uh, when the rain came, the stadium just got louder and louder and nobody left. It it didn't matter. We just – everybody stood there in the pouring rain. Uh, I remember the the scene where the the rain was just pouring off of the upper deck into the lower level, and people were just standing there underneath it and just taking it. And that kind of set the tone for years to come. But Thomas will always be one of my favorite Panthers, what he had to deal with, what he battled with, uh, and the performance that he had on and off the field, or excuse me, on the field. Uh, But what he did in the community as well, even when he was suspended uh, for the PED situation his last year, Thomas is is a season ticket holder. He's a PSL owner, and they gave away... Uh, the first four games to fans because they were told that they couldn't be in attendance. Thomas owned season tickets for the the Hornets. You always saw him at Hornets games, uh, but he always made sure he gave back to the community. And that's something that, that stood out as well. Uh, and, and that's something Tepper mentioned as well. We, there was a third guy, but we won't mention him today, but uh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good things that came out of Thomas's time here in Carolina and wish it could have been a couple years longer and wish he could have eventually got the Super Bowl trophy, but uh, always will appreciate and have a special place in my heart for for 58. Greg was uh, the other person that retired this week uh, as a member of the Panthers. Uh, Corey, you want to start us off and talk a little bit about uh, your thoughts on Greg? Oh yeah, old third third leg Greg, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I love Greg. I love me some Greg. I love the move when it happened um, back was 2012. Um, you know, then we paired him up with Jeremy Shockey the following year. That was a lot of fun. Um, but Greg Olson, again, I can say the same things about it's that seems to be a common theme with that time period is on and off the field. Um, you just we had the consummate pros on and off the field. Greg just what he went through with his son, um, and 
the foundation he created out of that just is changing lives and saving lives in the Charlotte community still to this day. Uh, he's he's going to go on and, and do great things. I think he's going to instantly be one of the best uh, NFL analysts on television. I can't wait to hear him uh, next year. But Greg not only meant a lot to the community, but on the football field too, I think you really saw that connection with Cam happen. And that was big for us. You know, Cam needed a go-to guy when Smitty left. And I think that, you know, not everybody thinks about tight end sometimes as being that, you know, go-to. But Greg and Cam, that connection they they had, just you always could trust that third down, fourth down, Greg was going to come up with it. My favorite play that I'm going to mention about Greg is 2015 in that that second Saints game down in the Dome where, you know, the Saints came out and they punched us in the mouth. Um, You know, we were riding high, uh, still undefeated at the time. And talking about one of my favorite Panther games of all time anyway, that was just the most entertaining. I mean, I was – couldn't breathe during it, but that was one of the most entertaining games I've ever watched. I absolutely hate the Saints. Um, but that going back and forth, there's that fourth and two where Cam like had to roll out and he's got that like just crazy arm angle throw to Greg and Greg like literally catches it like uh, eight of an inch off the t- to get the first down drive alive. That that's it will always stand out in my mind. I know obviously the big one that Seattle catch uh, in week four, you know that same year 2015, but. That that catch right there. That if he doesn't catch that, we lose to the Saints. And God help me, I, I could not stand to lose to the Saints. So, but I love Greg. Greg's gonna be a Hall of Famer one day, in my opinion. He should be. I don't think there's any question in that. Like you said, the only the first tight end to ever have three thousand yard seasons back to back consecutively. So, um, love him. I'm glad. I'm glad he retired as a Panther. So. Yeah, um, I'll reiterate, like, again, Corey, Corey said, uh, he couldn't have said it any more perfectly. Greg is another one of those guys that just perfect, perfect off the field, perfect on the field, uh, fit for the team and for the city of, of Charlotte, uh, his foundation, just even, even being in Charlotte as a college kid, you just, you hear, like you don't you don't care about that kind of stuff per se, but like you hear you have friends that are just like yeah I'm I'm gonna go to some event that that Greg's doing for his foundation and it's just to hear that as a college kid that that's the impact that that he had on the Charlotte community um, to to get college kids out there at fundraising events and stuff so that that's kind of a, a memory I have of, of Greg at the time um, I'm going to forget that the one year Seattle experience happened and just act like Greg retired. Yeah. From his playing time in, in Carolina. <laughs> um, that, that's another one. Uh, understand that, understand the, the reasoning behind it with his, his, his big cap hit and, and all of that. But um, I, I personally think he's going to instantly become my favorite analyst as well. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people love Romo, but I, I think Greg's better. So that, that's all I have to say about, about Greg there uh, again. Couldn't have asked for a better guy to be a Panther. Yeah, you guys make great points. I'm a Miami football fan, as Corey knows. He's known this for a while. So I've watched Greg since the time he was in college. So I've been around since the 7-4 crew. 
If you don't know what that is, Google it. Don't do it in front of your kids. Um, Greg's got a nice first song there. <laughs> but uh, no, in all, get a gig. Yeah, in, in all in all seriousness, uh, Greg was this was the safety valve that Cam needed, and that's the one thing that that Marty Herney did right when when they drafted Cam was they made sure they had a security blanket for him, and we went out and got a Hall of Fame tight end that uh, for a what, third round draft pick. Third so. Round. Yeah, probably the one of the best trades Marty Herney's ever made. So that's the one thing that I'm thankful for that he he provided us with. Uh, my favorite memory of Greg, what he did on the field, was the Seattle game in Seattle. Uh, making that catch, I think, as a fan, just to deal with what we had to deal with with Seattle and have come close year after year after year to only lose to them in the last, on the last play, in the last minute, whatever the case may be. But for the team – to do that, drive down the field uh, in Seattle, I think the team needed that to believe. And Greg talked about it on Thursday. He said that uh, you know, they were boarding the plane and the whole plane was just like a celebration. The Seward just were telling the, telling the team to sit down. Tolbert was dancing in the aisle. And I think that's what 2015 was. That was a, a close family. And Greg was a big part of that. Obviously, there was huge pieces to that team elsewhere. But that, that win stands out to me the most that year. And even Greg's catch in the playoff game here at home uh, when we faced him in the divisional round, uh, that's uh, one of the greatest catches that that he made through his career. But those two stand out to me a lot. And not, oh, having, yeah. not having Greg for the last year, I mean, he battled injuries down the stretch, and we saw kind of what happened to the offense. You know, he was a, a, a huge part of it. You you go for three 1,000-yard seasons, and then, you know, you battle injuries for back-to-back -back years, and you fight so hard to get back, and it just doesn't happen. Uh, and Greg tried to make it go as long as he could, but I, I think we found out this week what the city of Charlotte and what this organization means to these guys and how important these guys are to our community and also to the team and stuff like that, that it goes beyond football. These these guys will forever have a piece in the community here in Charlotte. Uh you know, and, and in Panthers history going forward, you know, like I said, their names belong in the ring, ring of honor one day, hopefully here in the near future. But uh, I can't, can't wait, wait to uh, see that in person and, and have that day happen. Uh, so uh, glad that Tepper made that decision. And I'm glad that he's doing a lot of things right uh, as far as our history that he wasn't a part of. But he's bringing our history back to us and, and making them feel important and, and setting that up for years to come. We were not a, an organization that's been around for 40 or 50 years. So he's done a good job uh, of building on that and, and getting us in the right direction to build a, a foundation for us for, uh, like I said, for years to come. So big week there. So last week we talked a little bit about. Now I think it all just, get on. no, go ahead, Corey. I was going to say, now I think it all just get on the same page about what to say regarding the quarterback situation. Cause <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a PR nightmare that we got going on here. It's it's a mess. It's a work in progress. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, Fitterer's comments this this week gets us on the same page. But I mean, this temper, he's getting excited. He knows what he wants, but you know, you can't be that open about it. He'll learn. It'll get better as years come. But when your owner's saying one thing and your coach is saying another, and your GM's just sitting there speechless, it's not a good look. Especially guys on the roster and under contract. Especially when you drove Definitely the other not. quarterback, <laughs> other quarterback out of town for this guy, and you realized you made a mistake. So as long as Tepper gets the guy he wants, it doesn't I'll, matter. I'll, I yeah. don't care. Yeah, I don't care. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. Whether it's yeah, Trey, Trey, Justin, 
Uh, sorry, got a little technical difficulty there. We'll edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but last week we talked a little bit about Trey Lance. We did a profile on him pretty in-depth. And this past week was his pro day. Uh, if you guys have watched any film of that pro day, you saw that Joe Brady was there, Matt Rule was there. Was Fitter there as well? Yep. Okay. Scott yeah. Fitter was there too. I thought so. And if you watched any film of how that went, uh, you'd see the, the big arm accuracy that we were talking about last week. Uh, Trey, had a, there's a, a clip going around on Twitter. I know John Ellis put it out and some other guys did as well. Uh, Trey throwing a 50-yard uh, throw on the money on the left sideline, so things like that. Some of his other throws, too, the, um, the one in the end zone where the, the, it was – I believe it was uh, McShay. I think it was McShay that he said, well, DJ Moore would have caught that one. It was a nice throw, and it was on the money. His receiver just dropped it. So, but it was a, it was a fun watch. If you haven't watched it, I highly recommend uh, you watch it and put to bed some of these rumors that Trey Lance can't throw the ball. It, it worried me a little bit how good it was. Um, I'll say that because I'm I'm starting to think that if if we are drafting one, eight might not be good enough. Um, even if it's not Fields, who we're going to talk about, I'm I'm starting to get a little worried that that top five, the the four are going to go, the four guys are going to go in like the first five five or six picks, and it's looking that way, so. That Washington win, man, for the culture. But the one thing I, I don't want to get back into Trey Lance, I did just want to say one thing I read this week that was really impressive to me. Him and his head coach actually sat down this offseason when he realized they weren't going to get a full season of film. They sat down this offseason. They compiled a list of teams, eight teams, in the, that he was projected to be drafted. They studied their offenses in depth and they designed his pro day and the routes that they were running around those eighteens offenses. That's, if, I mean, if that doesn't tell you something about a prospect, I, I got nothing for you. So. But Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, so going into it, Corey, if you want to start talking about uh, what you're, I guess what you what your thoughts on him are. I know right now it's probably depending on who who you talk to, who you got. His floor is probably fourth, uh, but just kind of go from there. About obviously we talked last week about where you're looking at having him on your board, but kind of go from uh, what your thoughts are as far as him as a player. Yeah, so Justin Fields, I mentioned last week, he's my number two quarterback right behind Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence, you know, he's everybody's number one, but. That's neither here nor there. Justin Fields, the only reason I really was so gung-ho about Trey Lance last week, and I am still gung-ho about Trey Lance, is the fact that I don't think we have a shot of getting Justin Fields. I feel like the Jets, you just have to take him at number two. I know everybody's talking about Wilson, but in my opinion, if you watch the, the film on him, if you break it down, Justin Fields is the clear-cut number two quarterback in this draft class. 6'3", 226 pounds. He has a com career completion percentage in college of 68.4%. He threw for over 5,000 yards in a little over one and a half full seasons. Um, I don't really count this last season as a full season, but whatever. He had 67 touchdowns to nine interceptions, and he also added 
1,133 yards and 19 touchdowns on the ground. Um, he's a day one starter in the NFL, especially if you go to an office system like ours or where you push the ball down the field and get multiple routes, uh, combinations down the field. Uh, day one starter, his ability as a passer is definitely top shelf. He's got a natural delivery. He does have a little bit of an extended um, motion, but he's so athletic and the, his arm strength is so top shelf that it really doesn't matter. Um, he's mobile inside and outside. The, you watch OSU, they do a lot of uh, where they move the pocket one way or another. And that just allows you to get access to areas of the field to take advantage of his his arm ability and his ability to not only throw from different arm angles, but also different feet angles. There's a play against Michigan where they run a rub route and the protection is completely screwed up from the start. Uh, he's got a free runner coming right at him, screaming off the edge, and he's backpedaling, and he throws a literal perfect strike, hits his receiver in stride, going across the middle from in the air. I mean, he's in the air. It's like Patrick Mahomes-esque. I hate, I hate to always use Patrick Mahomes for these comparisons, but it was very Patrick Mahomes-esque. You can throw an off, you know, different arm angles, different foot angles. Um, he does have dynamic rushing ability. He is a mobile quarterback. He can get you yards on the ground, but it's not what he looks to do all the time. I think that's what separates him from what other people would consider mobile quarterbacks. You look at some of these analysts and some of these guys who break down prospects, and I feel like it's just rinse, copy, and repeat their analysts from other mobile quarterbacks in the past. Um, he doesn't always look to run. He is always trying – if anything – he stays in the pocket for too long and tries to let his plays develop for too long. That is one of the knocks that several of the, the scouts I follow uh, and analysts I follow that I, I, I like and, and care about their opinion. That is one of the knocks on his game is he's always trying to look for the big play. He, he doesn't check down a lot and it gets him into trouble. He trusts his arm a lot. He really likes to throw the ball into tight windows and he, 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 he trusts his arm a heck of a lot. Um, there is a narrative going around that he is a one read. I just want to start off by saying that there is no such thing as a perfect prospect. It doesn't exist. Trevor Lawrence, you know, everybody's second coming of you know, Jesus basically is going to throw NFL interceptions. He's going to make bad NFL throws. Just it's like any other quarter NFL, Patrick Mahomes makes throws, Patrick Mahomes throws interceptions. That's Justin Fields has a tendency to lock onto his his receiver, his number one read. But there are times where you see him work all the way through his progressions and hit that third route. Your number one receiver, Alave, he's going to be a top – he's going to be a first-round pick in the NFL this year too. If he was one of my first receivers, I'd probably wait for him to get open too. And he'd probably be my first read. But um, I can keep going on. Uh, I do have some other things I'd like to say, but I'd also like to let Wesley get in. I know he did a lot of work on him too. So um, see what he has to say, and then you know we'll just bounce around and keep talking about it. So, yeah. All right. I'll start with um, the two things that I noticed that were not um, my favorite about about Fields. They're not they're not huge deals, but he does take too many hits. Um, I think that's him trying to make too many big plays happen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got to learn at the NFL level that that's what's going to get him hurt. Um, I think most mobile quarterbacks go through that. But if you hold on to it too long, if you don't get down. Uh, if you don't get out of bounds, you will, you will end up getting hurt in the NFL. So that's, that's something I'd like to see from him 
to to learn. Uh, but that that's coachable, and he's at the college level now doing that. I don't, I don't, I hope, and I don't think he's going to try and do that as much at the NFL level um, because he probably knows he's seen other mobile quarterbacks um, that have had to stop doing that. Uh, my second this a point Corey brought up um, looking for that first read too much. Um, it, it's not every, it's not all the time, but I think there were a few times pre-snap where just watching film, you can tell he he yeah. knew if he knew pre-snap, he was going to, to read number one and he locked in and he, and he tried to force it a few times. It works out because it's, it's an elite, elite uh, first round pick guy, but sometimes it didn't. Um, but that happens in the NFL too. So nit, getting nitpicky um, because there's so many things I like about him. Um, I, he is to me easily the second best. And I, and I love Lance. I really do love Lance and, and I'm, I think he's a great fit for us, but he is the second best quarterback in, in the draft. And honestly, I, I haven't studied Lawrence a whole lot because I, I mean, we're not going to have Lawrence. So I don't see the, the huge, the, the, the point of that. I've, I've watched a lot of Lawrence play being in North Carolina and just Clemson being an ACC fan and seeing a lot of Clemson games, but um, haven't really studied him, but I, I think his, his ceiling field ceiling could be higher than Lawrence's personally. Um, I think he's got that playmaking ability. Um, but we'll get into some of the specifics. I think, um, especially in comparison to fields that we talked about last week, I think, or in, in Lawrence that we talked about last week, fields has the, already has the ability to throw those, those 20, 30 yard, um, routes that, that you see so often in the NFL. I think that was the one, uh, dig I had at, at Lance was his ability for those mid-level passes. I think fields is already elite at that. Um, he's got the arm strength. Uh, I saw several across the field. Um, he's on the opposite hash, throwing a deep, a deep comeback route to the to the receiver, 20, 25 yards, and just it's it's like he handed it to him, just right right in his chest. So I love that um, he is a plug and play into the system that we run. In my opinion, he can run the RPO. He's got the deep 100%. ball. He is. Uh, the, the mobile quarterback that, that we need for Brady's offense uh, a little more accurate than, than uh, Lance. And, and again, Lance can work on that. I don't, I hate to, I hate to c- keep comparing him to Lance, but I think at the end of the day, they, those are the two that we're most likely going to end up drafting. So that that's why I like to, to do, make that comparison. Um, I think he's got a higher floor than anyone outside of Lawrence in the draft. Um, and so yeah, and Go ahead. I, I forgot to mention this. I was going to set it up, but Justin Fields, for anybody who isn't familiar with him, if you just don't follow college football and that's just not your thing, uh, he's a six foot three junior from Ohio State. He originally uh, started his career at Georgia. He was the number one recruit in his class. Split time with Jake Fromm a little bit his freshman year, uh, then uh, transferred to Ohio State. His sophomore year, I don't know if you guys know this, 51 touchdowns. 41 passing touchdowns, yep. 10, 10 rushing touchdowns, and only three interceptions. Just an unbelievable year. And he could have beat Clemson that year, too. He threw that late pick as they were driving down the field to win. And this year, he did make up for it, though. You, you saw how that game went. Six touchdowns uh, yeah. against Clemson, 22 for 30, 28. Three, yeah. Yep, 385 yards. If he doesn't if he doesn't do that, I, I, mean, I still think – he'd be high on everybody's list, but I'm not sure if sure everybody would be quite as high and, and it, we might have a better chance at him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, if it weren't for that game, that, that was an incredible game. It, I, it, I'm looking at that and saying, 
did he just take over the number one spot in some people's minds? Yeah. Any other no. any other draft class, any other year, he's the number one guy. I mean, and, and you look at – I know they lost the game uh, in 19, but even in that game, he threw for over 300 yards. He was 30 of 46. Had a touchdown. He did have two picks, but his defense in 19 was loaded, absolutely loaded, and he still cut him up for 320 yards through the air. This this kid is – he can throw the ball. He can sling it. Um, and he's proven it against – top college defenses, you know, time and time again. The one thing I do say, I think, honestly, if Georgia starts him over from that Georgia's got two national titles right now, I think they would have beaten Georgia or they would have beaten Alabama his freshman, his true freshman year uh, in the SEC championship game. I think they would have won if, if Fields was in there. And I think they, they would have went on to win the national title. So I think they would have – Georgia would have won the national title this past year had he stayed at Georgia. So that's just my opinion. You take it for what it is. I'm not going to full on – some people might think I'm crazy for this and just, you know, picking that low-hanging fruit. But not from a passing standpoint. When he's on the move, when he's mobile, even in the pocket, man, he looks like Deshaun Watson. They remind me so much of each other, how they move inside and outside the pocket. And Deshaun gets criticized too for holding the ball too long and taking too many hits. Sounds – they're carbon copy criticisms of each other. It's it's absolutely insane. Bottom line on fields, he has every tool that we need in a franchise quarterback. Amazing athletic profile. He's well above average in his processing ability. People say he's a one-read quarterback, and I get that. But, again, I go back to Rule and his staff. All of these little issues and these little issues in his game are – easily correctable and I think don't watch football the way some people are there's I tell other there's ball watchers people who just watch the ball going back and forth and there's people who try to watch the overall game I try to make myself watch the overall game how the pieces of it go I think too many times young quarterbacks get criticized for not being you know being bust or whatever but if Rule and the staff get Justin Fields, if he's ultimately who we go with, and we actually build our system to accentuate Justin and his strengths, man, we could be making sweet, sweet music for the next 10 to 15 years with Justin Fields. Yeah, you just put playmakers around the kid. He's a great prospect. How, uh, I hate to keep nitpicking at this and coming back to this, but as a Panthers fan yourself, how would you feel if we didn't win that Washington game? We had the number three pick. We had nine picks in this draft. Now that we have the comp picks, they've been announced. So for those that haven't seen that news, uh, we're getting two additional comp picks uh, in the draft, two six-rounders. So you're looking at going into this offseason with 32 to $34 million in cap. You're, you just tagged Taylor Moten. You had the number three picks, so you can likely take Justin Fields. He's probably going to fall there. And you have nine draft picks. How do you, how do you you're feel? What's your depressed. what's your outlook? Yeah, I'm, if, that's, you're making me so depressed. If, if right we're now, sitting at man. if we're sitting at three, um, I wouldn't be beating this Deshaun drum quite so hard because no. I don't I don't think the Jets make the right call. I don't think the Jets take take Fields at two. I really don't. And I still think there's a scenario where the Jets don't take him at two, and we call uh we, we call for the third pick like the, the jets make their pick it's not fields we call what if deshaun hasn't happened we call what what's it going to take what what, what what do you want for us to move up because it, again i said it last week if 
I think he goes four if he doesn't if if the Jet if he doesn't go two or three, but I think someone is trading up to three for Fields if the Jets don't take him. Atlanta's is four. Four fours is four. Right. Uh, their if, the GM and head coach was out at to Trey Lance's pro day, so the writing's on the wall about what they're going to do. I don't know how that's going to affect Matt Ryan, what they're going to do there. We got to if if we think that Justin Fields is our guy, that the Sean thing doesn't work out, we got to figure out what we have to do. What's going to cost to get to number three? And Wes, we talked a little bit this week. Me, you, and Corey did about what it would potentially look like to move up to get to three. Um, I don't know if you still have those uh, still have that information pulled up. Let me pull it up. Need to dive back in, but it was looking at what a future first, a future second, and a fifth. I may be wrong on that. It was something along those lines. It was this year's first and fifth for next – or this year's uh, first, this year's fifth, next year's first, and next year's third, I believe, was what it would take to get from eight to three, somewhere in that somewhere in that range based on the trade calculator. Um, you, may, you may have to turn next year's third into a second or, or something along those lines. Um, but if it feels as your guy, do it. I mean, that's less, less, that's less than absolutely. that's less than what Chicago gave up to move up one pick for Trubisky. So. <laughs> absolutely. If, if we've put ourselves in this situation by winning that Washington game with the way these pro days are going with the way these teams and this QB arms race that's happening right now, it's happening. We put ourselves in the position where if we don't get this on, we are going to have to trade up to get one of these guys. I was thinking last week, hey, we can sit at eight, yada, 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 take our time. Trey Lance will follow us. Uh, I'm just not so sure now after watching that pro day, like you guys mentioned earlier, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, if we don't get Deshaun, if he makes it past the Jets at two, do not let Miami off him. What's it going to take? It's just you got to get it. And I'm not – one of those people that wants to have a quarterback different than Teddy, just for the sake of having a quarterback that's different than Teddy. I want it to be the right guy, but you're not going to get your guy at eight. I think that's becoming eerily, eerily clear. The closer and closer we get to the draft and the more and more we're seeing these guys, this is going to be a feeding frenzy. I think it'll be the first time since 1999 that five quarterbacks go in the first round. So if we peg one of these guys as the guy, I think we're going to have to give up. And I'm just – I've come to terms with it. We're going to have to give up a lot to go up and get them. And for Justin Fields, that package that you just mentioned, I'm completely fine with it. If it's just a, our first and a fifth this year, by all means, if that's all we're losing this season is a first and a fifth, I'm fine with next year. Yeah, and I, I just pulled it up. What it is. All we're – I just pulled yeah, up the ahead. exact. It's the first this year, a second – a third and a fifth. So you can do it in any year, basically the, the way this works, they, it doesn't let you pick the years, the, the way the trade calculator works. Um, but I picked middle of the round. I picked our, I put, I put the first is eight because that's where we are. Then I picked middle of the round for second, third and fifth based on that. Um, that is the, what it would take to get from eight to three, according to the trade calculator. So I'm doing that. I'm giving them second and third next year, first and fifth this year, probably. Um, if yeah. I can, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll do that in a heartbeat. I'm probably either, either one. 
the odds of us having nine picks this in this draft, I, I don't think that's going to happen. We're either going to trade picks and get picks for next year or try to get more picks this draft and then move up one way or the other. Fitterers talked about that, and we talked about it last week on the podcast. But having those extra two six, they're worth something. We can package those with something else and, and get up there. I'm fine. I'm fine with uh, this year's first, even this year's third. And then we'll, we'll part with the second and the fifth next year maybe get a left tackle or whatever the case may be, whatever we need to do. I'm fine with that, that trade package. Get your guy. If you think he's your guy, get your guy and let's roll. You got the pieces around it. We're, we're building a young core. You got young playmakers around him. Robbie and DJ are for sure coming back. You have Christian. Everybody's under long-term deals except for DJ and Robbie. Uh, Robbie will probably get an extension here this year. Hopefully, hopefully uh, DJ's due for one hopefully. soon. So you can't keep wasting time. You can't have a revolving door at quarterback. If you have a rookie quarterback, you have a better chance to go for it. Look what the Rams did with golf. And they, they rode the golf experiment as far as they could. And then they moved him out and they went and got Stafford. They still have some cap issues to, to, to figure out, like we talked about. But if you think he's your guy, go get him. Roll over there. Justin Fields probably have a pro day coming up here probably this week. And, you know, Brady, Roy, Fitterer, everybody will be there in attendance. But I think that he's he's the guy. It's him or Lance. It, it's him or Lance. Wilson's going to go to yep. whether it's to New York or somebody else. I don't see anybody leapfrogging Miami to get up there. Uh, Atlanta's, Atlanta's who I'm worried about. I don't want to watch Justin Fields down there for the next 10 to 15 years. That's, that's not what uh, – I'm not happy about that. Especially now that we finally have – now's the time to go for it. Now's the time to go all in. Matt Ryan's leaving. Drew Brees is done. Brady has a few years left. That's it. This is your chance to, to establish a real core and establish a core going forward and build something for years to come. That sustained success that Tepper talked about for 20 years, 20 years of sustained success, yeah. and, this, is our, this is our window. And we mentioned CMC and some trades, but that, that, that restructuring almost guarantees that he's going to be part of that core at least for yeah. one more year. So I, I think that's worth noting as well when, when you talk about a core. Same with Shaq, too. I'm sure the, him taking the restructure was part of it. It's either, you know, you'll restructure or we'll cut you. It, we would have saved the money one way or the other. I didn't never see an exact number on his restructure, but at least it happened. So, it gave us more room. So if you do make this move, the reason I'm so gung-ho, too, on holding on to that number two pick, if, if you do go get Justin, if you move up and get Justin, the one thing I will say that I did go back and watch the condensed version of the Northwestern game, the Big Ten Championship, um, and the Indiana game. Both those teams blitzed him 65% of the time and 68% of the time, respectively. He can get rattled under pressure, so it's going to be on this staff to build an offensive line to give him time, especially for the offense that we want to run where, where I think Joe Brady wants to run and pushing the ball down the field. They're going to have to give him time. It's not Teddy back there, Mr. Teddy check down. Um, it's, he's going to have to sit there and hold the ball. And he did. He was the third longest in the NCAA for holding on to the ball and time to get rid of it. It was 3.9 seconds, his average time to get rid of the ball. So, we're going to have to build the line. I really want to hold on to that second pick. Um, I haven't really dove into the second round. 
tackle Clint. We're going to talk a little bit about some guys I like in free agency coming up, but the staff, if Justin is the pick, you're going to have to protect him because when he what when he did struggle in those games against Northwestern, because he did. I mean, it was ugly. I'm not going to lie. They ended up winning, but it was ugly. The, the film the film was ugly. He was under pressure. I mean, he, he was unsure in those two games and in the Alabama game. He only got sacked one time in the national championship game, but he was just constantly under pressure. And you could see the results of it. It wasn't, it wasn't great. So you're going to have to protect him. Again, he can be coached out of that as long as you have the pieces up front to give him that time in the pocket, give him that pocket that he can step up in and deliver the ball downfield, which is when he's at his best is when he's pushing the ball down the field. So we really need to focus again. I keep pounding that drum, offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. And the national championship game you mentioned, I don't know from memory or not. You can help me out here, Corey. Do you yeah. remember if Sertan, did he shadow Alave that game? Yep. They, 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 it was Sertan for the, for the first quarter, he stayed on his own, his one, one side. And then they, they hit a, um, they hit this like snatch combination a couple mm-hmm. times that they used heavily against Clemson. And that's when Sertan was like, okay, I'm locking this fool down. So, but, I said he he still threw for I mean he was seventeen or thirty three for one hundred ninety yards on a touchdown he did have six for sixty seven on the ground but and he only was sacked once again but that was due to his mobility because he was just running for his life so it, yeah, it's it's not his fault I mean Devontae Smith uh, went off that game I mean went absolutely nuts yeah. so I mean it's hard to win a win a game when somebody puts up almost three hundred receiving yards in the first half. And, and then I also look at, you know, this year, Northwestern Indiana, he realized he's got six games to change the narrative on himself, right? Six games. So I think he was forcing it a little bit. It's like, oh, these teams, we should – we're Ohio State. We should stomp them. It's Northwestern. We should roll over these dudes. And when they come out and they punch him in the mouth, I feel like, oh, he's starting to press because he's like, I can't struggle against these teams. All this narrative, all off has been struggled against Clemson. I should be just lighting these fools up. And I think he did press a little bit in both those games. But what 18-year-old kid wouldn't? I mean, there's only so many. So, And if it is Fields, I wouldn't be surprised. And you mentioned protecting him. I wouldn't be surprised with, with the non-picks if we take that second and, and some, some later picks and try and move up if they've got a guy that they like late first, early second, um, and try and try and get a tackle. Cause right. I'll talk, I'll talk about it when we talk about it in a minute. Free agency for tackle is, is very bleak. So I don't, I don't think yeah. that's how we address tackle. Not a and, tackle. And they were there at North Dakota state's record day this week. So they did get a chance to see North Dakota state's left tackle. Uh, who's a second round prospect or back in the first round. Uh, we don't know enough about him at the moment to go into a, a segment on him, but uh, we'll address that in an upcoming episode uh, when we talk about other uh, draft draft selections. Uh, so you guys talked about this. Uh, anything else you want to add on fields before we dive into free agency? Good. I'm good. I think in the right situation, he's going to win a couple Super Bowls. Yeah. 
I agree. If he's the if he's the guy we end up with in the draft, I'm ecstatic. If there's a Sean thing doesn't work out, this is the this is the guy for me. It's it's him, then it's Lance. It's one A, one B, and we'll go from there. But that that you know, we we we're narrowing it down. We've we've got our guys. Let's go out and let's make it happen. So moving on to free agency, uh, we're gonna talk about a few guys that we like. We have, like I said, we have 32, 34 million in cap once the trade cut uh, becomes final. Uh, I know we're sitting probably 11th in cap space, if my memory's correct. Um, but you guys want to talk about some guys to keep a, you know, the, for the listeners to keep track of or keep an eye on of some guys that may be a possibility or some guys that you uh, just really like. And maybe whether it's a, from a value perspective or you just like them as a player, uh, talk about some some names and we'll kind of just go in a little rotation here of one after the other. We're eighth with 34, or we're eighth at 32, and we'll move up to 34. That won't put us in seventh with cap space. Um, but I'll start it uh, started out with free agents. Um, I'll start with receiver because we're, lo- we're losing Curtis um, as of right now. Uh, there's a scenario, I think, where we sign him back. I think one offensive weapon needs to be addressed in some way, shape, or form in the offseason, uh, whether that be – and I don't think it's – through the draft because I think it's, I think it's quarterback and tackle one and two if we're, if we're drafting in the first and the second. So I'll, I'll bring up a few names uh, at receiver and I'll, then I'll bring up a few names at tight end uh, at receiver. I'll start with Corey Davis. I think and I'll mention this about Tennessee's tight end as well in that offense. Nobody is going to, nobody is going to put up big numbers on the outside. Not even AJ Brown, who is an absolute freak. None of them are putting up just monster numbers. And because of that, Corey is only looking at about $9 million per. Uh, and I think that is a steal for, uh, if I remember correctly, a, a former top 10 pick uh, out there on the outside. He is, in my opinion, would be a great, great second receiver for us on the other side of RA. Um, so if that's our one move for a weapon, I, I would not hate it at all. Um, especially, I think we're going to keep, like I said, keep CMC. So, they, so you've got that that weapon there. Uh, the other receiver for me is it's Curtis. If if we can make the money work, it's it's bringing back Curtis. If I think Corey would be the somebody we went to if if Curtis just gets paid paid. Uh, I, they have Kurt, Curtis projected it at uh, four fifty. I think it could get a. I think it could get above that personally. Uh, I've seen a lot of lot of major media coverage, a lot of articles on how Curtis could be the steal of free agency this year. And the more the more I see that, the less likely he is to come back, in my opinion. So that one's that one's I really I really want Curtis, and I'm still team trade DJ if that means you get Curtis back. Um, Hundred thousand percent. Curtis got disrespected his first few years in the league, whether it be you know just fit injuries. You know, offense, the offensive coordinator had a lot to do with it. Just the offense, how it was designed. With the guy as special as, as Curtis and his skill set, you have to show him like we did this year. Line him up in the backfield, something he did in college where he was played running back at Ohio State some as well. But Curtis is going to get paid. He's going to get paid a lot of money this year. I, I'd love to see him back in Carolina. I think everybody would. Does it happen? You know, does Is the money right? I think that's what it depends on at this point. He's He's undervalued. Any of the analytical guys, they sing his praises. You know, he he, he gets open. His 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 catch rate and the rate he gets open is top in the league. 
This if he goes somewhere with somebody who has a has a deep ball, and he can be that one or two guy on the team, he's gonna put up a he's gonna have a ridiculous season. Corey, you got any uh, receivers you want to talk about? Receivers, not. I, I really chose to to focus more on both lines. Um, so if I'm the receiver, you wants to talk about, I'm, I'm all good for that because I, I'm going to get us going other places. So yeah, yeah, no. Um, I'll uh, the only guy that I'll mention as far as receiver goes is, is Tim Patrick. I think he's undervalued. He's 27 years old, uh, six foot four. He was Denver's best receiver last year. Now he's undervalued. Uh, he was somebody who didn't get talked about a lot last year. He probably won't cost a lot of money. He only had 600 receiving yards, but that offense was horrendous. And Cortland Sutton was out last season too, so that gave him a little bit of a bump. But I, I like Tim Patrick. Uh, I think he's somebody who come in as a as the number three guy and really help out. He's not going to you know, take Curtis's production fully, but, you know, 600, 800 yards is a number three option. I'm fine with that. Um, but, Corey, talk a little bit about some guys that, uh, whether it's on the O-line, the D-line, defense side of the ball, uh, tell me uh, tell me some names to, to look out for. Yeah, I do want to start at defensive tackle because, like I said last week, I do feel like we're only a few pieces away on that side of the ball from having, like, a legitimately good defense. The radar, I don't think he's flying under the radar. In NFL circles is Sheldon Rankins from the Saints. Um, his market value is eleven point three, according to Spot Rack. Um, but he's a smart player, smart player to pair with Brown right beside of him. That key word on our defense, you know, being multiple. He's definitely multiple. He can play multiple positions on the D line. True nose guard three tech, even slide out to five. He did tear his Achilles in 2019. And so somebody might look him up and say, oh, he only had three sacks last year. And something that Phil Snow said he really wants is that pass rushing defensive tackle. Three sacks is not a huge number, but coming off that Achilles injury, I really don't think he rounded into form until the later half of the year, that last five games. That's when he really started to see his pressures go up. Um, he did contribute two sacks in the last five games. So – even he says he doesn't feel like he came into his you know full form until that last five games. I watched an interview with him, just his recognition, um, his pre-snap ability to diagnose what uh, what the offense is trying to do um, would be great, great, an amazing thing to pair with Brown uh, right there beside of him if we don't decide to bring KK back, which I love KK. I'm not in the bring KK camp unless it's literally vet minimum. I, I if he wants to come back for, you know, pennies on the dollar, then that's fine. But I think KK's best days are behind him personally. So uh, I'd much prefer to go that route. Um, and another guy I know that you wanted to talk about was Larry Ogunjobi. Yes. The Browns. Yeah. yeah. Charlotte kid too. Yep. I mean, you know, went, went to UNCC. So definitely. I, he He's a ahead. candidate for – he had a hot start out the gates and he really regressed in my opinion. Mm. I think he's somebody you can get cheaper than – than a lot of other guys and he yep. could he's a candidate for for some bounce back in my opinion um because those first two years he was good yeah yeah he was making noise like mm -hmm. I mean, he was pass rushing that pass rushing three tech he was 
he was definitely, definitely big. And so if you can get him for the right money and get him in our defensive scheme, Brown, that's, that's going to cause some problems if we can get him back uh, on that upper trajectory. I'll mention a name. I'm, uh, if, now, this is a vet. Like, again, I don't uh, limited money, but Jarrell Casey's a free agent. Um, the Broncos released him. Again, he's just a vet presence. And it's another guy coming off an injury. That's going to be a common theme. He did tear his bicep last year, but before his bicep tear, he was averaging seven to eight sacks a year from the defensive tackle position. So Jarrell Casey's an interesting one. Moving back, because I think everybody realizes that there's a hole at middle linebacker. Another thing, uh, Quan Alexander was just released this week. Personally, again, coming off of it, again, this is a common theme in this free agency, but he's coming off an injury. Um, he did rupture his Achilles, but before he ruptures Achilles, PFF had him as the 16th of 54 eligible linebackers in coverage, which I think we can all agree was a major issue last year from the linebacking position. We could not cover a Pop Warner team at the linebacker position last year. So Quan Alexander um, would be a guy I'd definitely be interested in. And then this is an interesting name. If it's, it's – I, I don't want to spend much time on it, but this is like a super, super reclamation project. Project, But Reuben Foster is out there, former first-round pick, mm. former Bama guy. Um, he should be super cheap with his injuries and off the field stuff. But I feel with our locker room and our, our coaching staff that if he went in and just see what if we could make anything of that, the talent's there. Like I said, he was a former first round pick and it is a position that we need. Uh, I wouldn't mind bringing Ruben Foster in a super cheap deal and then continuing on that side of the ball. Um, Keanu Neal beef up that second year again. Uh, his projection is only two years at 10 million, but he did have 76 solo tackles. Again, a common theme that was lacking in our secondary is the ability to tackle in open space. 76 solo tackles, uh, and he benefits from definitely multiple fronts that switch him back and forth from man to zone. Um, for three, cover three to man. I think he would be a good fit back there you know, to pair with Chen or maybe not do – I don't want them to do and put Chin back there at safety and actually keep him closer to the box. So, Yeah, Atlanta had one of the worst defenses in the league, but they were especially bad uh, when Neal was off the field and when he wasn't playing, yeah. he was missing games. So that's a, that's an interesting name to keep an eye on. Uh, yeah. To go back to uh, Ogunjobi, uh, he did have, and like Wes was mentioned, no, five and a half sacks in his first two years, and then it tailed off with the, with the two and a half sacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, last year he's projected 9.3 million a year I, I don't know if he'll get that uh, I'm fine with somewhere in like a seven million dollar range uh, I mean if you watch the film on the guy there's one where he's just abusing Max Hunger of the Saints uh, and it leads to uh, a, a, a loss on a running play but he's somebody who who I like and for anybody who's out there you know that cares about this kind of stuff he did he did score a, a 36 on his wonder lick so it's a, he's a smart kid uh, he's somebody who's looking for that first payday. Like you said, from Charlotte, uh, as far as his college goes, he's originally from Connecticut. But uh, some things to keep in mind, uh, maybe some uh, somebody who I would like to see signed. You put him next to Derek Brown. You let them just kind of unleash hell on the quarterback, on the line, and, and I like that. Uh, some guy who who I think 
It's going to cost a little bit more, uh, but it has the rule connection. Here's a son Reddick from uh, Arizona, somebody who we've been linked to for probably the last year. I know his name came up prior to the deadline, uh, but he's still young, 26 years old. He was there when rule was. Uh, he's projected uh, 11.6 million. million. So you're looking maybe like a four year, $46 million range. Uh, last year, he had his career high in sacks where he had 12 and a half sacks, 63 tackles, and he had five forced fumbles. Of those five forced fumbles, three of those came in the game against the Giants, uh, where he had five sacks and three forced fumbles. Uh, just a, a monster game. I mean, the Giants offensive line is terrible, but you know, he, he's a good speed rusher. He's quick off the edge, he's fast. Uh, he's somebody who I would have no problem with uh, spending a little bit of money on, shoring up uh, that middle line and rolling with it. I mean, we, we have a huge gap there. Anyways, we need to find ways to create pressure uh, other than bringing in Marquise Haynes and spelling him, you know, spelling Burns with, with Haynes. Just add more speed, add more versatility. Phil Snow's big on versatility. I think he fits the system. He fits what we're trying to do here uh, on defense. Uh, but he's somebody who I wouldn't mind racking up on a four-year deal. Uh, he, you know, then he becomes a free agent again at 30, 31. Uh, but I, I like that. Uh, and if we do decide to spend big elsewhere, uh, Shaquille Griffin is somebody who I'm open to at cornerback. Uh, I know Wes is high on him. So, Wes, if you got more you want to add on him. But between him and Mike Hilton, I think there's good value there. Mike Hilton from Pittsburgh, uh, he's still young, 27. I'm more of a pass coverage guy. Uh, but he'll come up and, and make those tackles at the line. You know, he's no problem blitzing. Uh, if you watch film on him, there are several this year where he's he's tackling guys in the backfield. Uh, he's coming off of corner blitzes and sacking guys. Uh, he's somebody who I'm high on, and he's not going to cost a lot. You probably get him for $7 million a year, maybe something like a three-year, $23 million deal. Uh, but he's somebody who that, that stands out to me as far as somebody who I wouldn't mind bringing him in at camp and putting him up against the uh, opposite of Dante. I'm fine with that. Uh, but Wes, anything you want to add on Shaquille? I know you mentioned him last week, I believe. Yeah, I've got Shaquille on my corner list. I've got, I've still got a, a pretty long free agent corner list because I think we've got to sign one of them. Yeah. I, I really do. Uh, Shaq's set, I think, going to be end up being a little too rich for our blood. Four forty-four. I'm not sure we're going to have eleven per to 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 throw around at corner based on the other holes we've talked about. We've got to sign some offensive linemen. Or, or or draft them all. I, I don't. And I I think we'll sign one more somewhere, guard or probably guard. Um, but Shaq's at four forty four. Sherman's deal. Sherman's market value really stood out to me. Two eighteen. Um, it, it, at at two eighteen, I might would take that that risk. There's a connection there with the GM, um, and I, he's not what he was. But maybe maybe he can teach Dante a thing or two out there and and he's our veteran presence in the secondary for for two years I'm, I'm not sure uh Xavier Rhodes 214 I, I don't hate that that's some value on a on a on a guy um and then DJ Hayden 318 I, I thought that was some again not great you're I, I don't think we're going to be in the play for any of the big names but at six mil a year we've got to have somebody We've got to have somebody out there uh, outside of the outside, on the other side of Dante. Um, and I don't think we're going to, I don't think we're going to be in the big spenders for corner and I don't think we're going to address it in the draft. So those are the, the, the names that stood out to me as far as their deals. If we're on the big side, another one, if Shaq gets a little too rich for us, Pat, uh, Patrick Peterson's at three thirty. Um, it's his market value. So three for 30. 
yeah, his his market value is low. He he fell off. Yeah, yeah. I know he didn't have a have a good year last year. I'm trying to pull up the list now and see here. I know the Saints have a couple guys that are going to hit the market. Uh, PJ Williams. Uh, who's the other guy? Um, George Janoris Jenkins. Yeah, Janoris. They just I mean they just cut Janoris. Uh, Crawley. Crawley is another one. It it really wouldn't shock me if they go a volume move a volume thing there and, and just go after two or three guys that get cut that they can win and see if one sticks it. The, the top, the, at the top of the list, we're not really going to, I don't think we're going to be paying. And um, honestly, with a guy like Sherman, you're probably not going to get much more than if you uh, go after two or three of those guys that, that, that get cut that you can get on even lower deals. Uh, any thoughts? So on- are you guys just completely, I was going to say, are you guys just completely out on Troy Pye Jr.? No. Yes, I am. I'm not yet, but that probably has a lot to do more with speed. I, I'm not I'm not discouraged, but, you know, the guy's – I mean, he's got to make some steps. I mean, you know, if he's still making the same mistakes his third year in the league, then, yeah, I mean, he's gone. But I'm not completely out on him yet. He did have some decent moments last year. Uh, are you guys – does Ronald Darby do anything for you guys? I mean, I have him on my list here, four thirty-six. So if you're gonna go, if you're gonna go four thirty-six, you might as well just go ahead and pay Shaq, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, I Absolutely. see that. The only reason I said that, I mean, he he does completely, have a pretty completely. Agree. I, I think he has a has a pretty low uh, catch rate and coverage. I mean, it's it's fifty nine percent. So nothing, nothing crazy. I mean, we could probably try to kick the tires on Trufant, but what is does he have a lot left? Probably not. But if if the deal's right, he could be part of that that volume thing we're talking about. Because if if we're not, and I, I've said this three times already, if we're not going to pay one of the big guys, I think you got to pay two of the. You got to go after two that are going to be at four or five, four or five, six a year, um, and hope one sticks. Just do a one year deal on those guys. Probably, yeah, probably one of those is going to be a prove-it deal, and the other guy's probably a, a veteran coming in on a cheap deal. Uh, that's probably something we're going to add is going to be a veteran at some point, at least in some position. You look around, we really don't have a lot of older guys on this roster. I think the average age is, what, 25, 26? Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the younger you, one of the younger rosters. In the- and that's part of why I don't hate Sherman, and, and he's he's kind of a dickhead sometimes, but – he was he's was one of the elite corners in in the league, and if Dante can learn learn something from him, if you can get Sherman on that two year deal, that actually in that eighteen nineteen range, I don't hate that. Um, that's that's why I don't hate that at all. I'm sure Tepper yeah. would like to sell some jerseys as well. Just have flashbacks of him getting torched <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, know. don't don't get me wrong. I, don't I was just like, thinking, I don't <laughs> like Sherman, and I think he is not as good as it used to be, but the there's a lot of options that we can throw around at, at cheaper corner money. And a veteran like that is one of them. He's probably going to get overpaid for his name though. I don't, I don't know that we would even get him at, at that 18, 19 range for two just Man, because I, of his name. I'm more concerned on, on building up the O-line. I mean, I'm looking here at the free agents. I mean, left tackle is nothing. There's nothing there. No. So we already talked about all that. Uh, if you're going to spin, like maybe they spend on a, on a so guard. Good. Yeah, if they're gonna spend if they're gonna spend big money on a free agent, the name 
then I will pound the table for is Joe through yep. from the Patriots. Um, That's the he does, only he does carry a huge – I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's going to carry a, a pretty big hit, uh, about 15 a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's five years, $76 million. Um, but let me read this to you. In his last 980 opportunities, he's only allowed 17 pressures in X. It's insane. Uh, he instantly solidifies our the interior of our line for the next you know, three to five years. You talk about that pocket, give whatever quarterback would decide to step up on. If you're going to spend big money in free agency, he's a sure bet. That, that doesn't come around too often where you, you're, you're spending wise money on a sure thing. He's about as sure a thing as you get. So uh, that is somebody I would love to see. I did see Try Turner. Just He officially got released this week. I wouldn't hate it. Again, vet, vet minimum, cheap, but, you know, Joe, Joe Person was not going to happen. So um, if we are going to bring a tackle in, I wouldn't really be too excited. I wouldn't be too mad. It wouldn't be kind of indifferent on Riley Reed from the Wings. He's smart. But, uh, I think he made up for it, uh, his, some of his lacking of his athletic ability with his smarts. Uh, he was solid. But. I'm not I'm bringing super another. excited about that. I do want that direction in the draft, but I'm not excited about bringing another Vikings free agent tackle in. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely, definitely not going to get too excited about it. But it is a name because I definitely don't think that we are nowhere anywhere in any conversation with Eric Fisher. I don't think. I think that's a pipe dream. We're, we're not in any conversation with any of the big name tackles. Yeah, no. And, and I, I, there's not for me. There's not a tackle no. on, my, on my list of of what I've written down for free agents. And I only wrote one guard down that excited me, and that was Tooney. Um, it, I think if you can, if you can lock him up, yeah, you, and, and, and the Moten deal, I think is going to get done. Um, you draft a couple guys at, at, you draft another guard, you draft a tackle, obviously early, you draft another guard, you, you can, you can probably lock up your line for the next couple of years. And, and I, I don't hate that move. And it, it does make you a little thin in money trying to fill out with the last, uh, what, 18 to 18 to 20 million to try and fill the other holes you need, but I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, yep. We can get some, we can get some value. You probably take yourself out of the running for Curtis. If that's what you do, if, if you decide that's where you're going to spend your offensive money is 15 per on, on mm-hmm. a guard, but that I can live with it. If it means we drafted fields and he's not uh, dead three games in. Yeah. And they can manipulate. Like, I think a lot of people, if you don't really understand the cat, which I mean, I'm I, it's still a mystery to me most days. I think I have a, a pretty average person's ability to understand the cap, but they can manipulate the money to where it's not a huge hit this year and it, you know, kicks in. Down, but, you know, be paying up for, for Joe, but it's, that's, it's for me. I'm all about the Alphans of honor now. So. I'm fine with that. I, I, I'll fine with uh, bringing John Miller back. I don't want Chris Reed anywhere near this team. Chris Reed was terrible last year, but uh, I'll take John Miller back over them. If you, yeah. if it means, you know, rolling with Thune and, and Miller for a year. And Interesting enough, though, this week Fitterer did address the left tackle position, and he named Trent Scott and Dennis Daly before naming Greg Little. So that's not really too promising. Doesn't make me feel that great. 
going forward. But looks like the writing's on the wall for him. So yeah, I don't and, really know. And that 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 uh, I still thought Greg had a chance to try and prove himself this year. Um, I, that so that that does suck. But I yeah I feel like if if you do sign you put him I still am of the opinion that they need to slide Dennis Daly inside the left guard put Joe at right tack right right beside um, Taylor Moten and that's you've taken up one half of the line and solidified it and you don't have to worry about it and you get pieces for the left side and just see what you can build see what formulation you can come up with because it is all about building chemistry on the offensive line as someone who played offensive line, like it is all about trusting the guy next to you. So um, they're going to have to come up. They're going to have to just throw as many names in the hopper as they possibly can on that left side and just come up with something and, and, and roll with it. But at least signing Joe, you've got that right side. You don't ever have to worry about. And, and that was- money spent in my opinion. Daly's Daly's problem has never been production. It's always just been staying healthy. I mean, same well, little, just you know, hasn't been able to stay healthy whatsoever. But Daly's issue's been um, you know health. So if he's healthy and he he comes in here injury free, I have no problem put him in, start him on the line, and let's roll. You sign Thuni, and like you said, it's you awesome. have it short up. It's been a situation which with which. With Dave, with Moten, it's like let them find a position, keep them in that position, and let them develop in that position. Stop this constant like revolving door where they go from the right to the left, and inside to outside. Like, let's make the decision that this guy is going to be our left guard, and let him work to being that left guard instead of well, this week you're going to play guard, this week you're going to play tackle. I understand what a swing what a swing offensive lineman is, and they're very valuable. But you know, when he, I think the upside that Daly showed last year, I think if he's healthy, he's earned the right to 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 have a position and and work towards being the starter at that position in that one position. Uh, how, I don't know how you can expect anybody to develop perfectly. I mean, we got the best out of Moten when he stayed at the right tackle. It goes back to the Derek Williams thing. But, you know, it, was, it was the Daryl Williams and, and Taylor Moten. It was just like you said, back and forth. And and Daryl got paid this week. Good for him. But yeah, there's did. no consist there's no consistency. It it does no it, it does more harm than good in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah, anybody else that you guys have? I had one up? more. And yeah, I'll go ahead. For uh Janu, if if we don't want to if, if we don't have the money for receiver. John is going to be relatively cheap around eight, eight mil a year. Um, so I, I, if we don't have the money left over for receiver, I again, don't trust Ian and we need one more offensive weapon. I'm fine. I, John, who I think is, has the ability to be a top half of the league tight end. Um, and we certainly don't have, we, we need that. We need a good tight end and, and Greg bring it full circle back to Greg earlier. We haven't had, since Greg was healthy, we haven't had that tight end production. So that's been what no. three three years now. Yeah, Manhurts is a free agent this year too. I yep. mean, he's more of a run blocker, but you know that's that's somebody else you're looking at replacing. Going through the list here, Josh Hill did sign with the Lions today. 
Uh, you know, with the New Orleans connection, Dan Campbell going back there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Cook, Hunter Henry, we talked about those guys last week. Jordan Reed can't stay healthy. Uh, Trey Burton, does he do anything for you? No, and, and Henry Henry being two million a year more expensive than than Janu, I just I I think the upside's there with Janu and he's stayed healthy. He's coming off of I think you're gonna get value there coming off coming out of that Titans offense that just doesn't throw it as much. If you watch Janu when he got the ball, man, like he he's got some wheels. Mm, he's athletic. He's he athletic. Yes, yes. He I think you put him in the right system with the right offense. I'm not, I'm not he, he's just he's not going to be Kelsey or anything like that but he he's he's going to be a, he's going to be a house not he's going to be around the league well known yeah, he's going to be on a lot of fantasy teams he's uh, he's only look, been looking at like 5 or 600 uh, yards a year in 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 Tennessee but yeah. I think you put him in the right system he's 800 to 1000 easy yep 100% and it gives us that red zone presence that red zone target that I think we've we've lacked since Greg was healthy. Um, and I don't I don't know last year if it was a, a personnel thing or scheme or just Teddy not being able to throw the ball into the end zone, but um, that's a big target down there around the goal line. Um, something that you can feel good about throwing the ball up to that I don't think we have right now in the offense. I mean, DJ come down with those 50 50 balls pretty pretty well but give me give me John o down there around the goal line uh, I like my chances a couple guys that are probably going to fly under the radar Gerald Everett Richard Rogers uh, Tanyan he's up for free agency in Green Bay and Mo Alley Cox uh, Mo Alley Cox he had a 100 yard receiving game this year when uh, Doyle and Burton were out so another so basketball player yeah yeah uh, so and he's athletic those are guys that I would if, – if we don't have the money for a Janu, I'm fine with any of those that you listed um, taking a chance on. Because we've got to sign somebody or draft uh, if we, with one of our nine picks, some some sort of late-round guy. I, it, Ian hasn't proven it to me, and so that's why I'd, I'd rather go with the veteran um, out there trying and, – and you can still – even if you get draft a veteran, there's, there's going to be plenty of chances for, for Ian to prove himself. Or even if you sign a veteran, Ian, Ian's going to have a chance to prove himself too. Um, so yeah, plenty of two tight end sets. Gerald Everett. Is I don't want to draft the, tight end. I, I'm, I'm holding out. I don't want to draft a tight end. I'm holding out hope, and we're going to tank for Baby Gronk from Notre Dame here in two years. He's <laughs> <laughs> a junior. Kids a true freshman, and he's just out there towering above everybody. People look stupid. There's some people that think we're we're going to go pits this year. And I, to those people, I say no, thank you. Yeah, I'm good on that. I'm not taking a tight end number six. Who's the highest tight end selected yeah. for that? Was it Kellen Winslow Jr.? That's probably the highest, the last tight end to go top ten. I'm probably uh, wrong, but no, no. Um, Detroit, Detroit, Detroit took. Um, Detroit took. Oh, blame. They took a tight end high two years ago. What's his face? Hawkinson. Uh, name's completely blanking me, but Detroit took it. Yeah, Detroit took Hawkinson like in the first round. Um, but yeah, I don't think he was that high. He was like ten. But yeah, I mean, if if we had a quarterback that I trusted, I would be fine taking Kyle Pitts at eight. But you know, 
can't do it. Yeah, we got bigger holes to fill. We're going to give up our first-round pick anyway. Yeah. All this is a moot point once Deshaun walks through the door. I'm, I'm totally fine with uh, after we record our, our mock draft of the Panthers taking Justin Fields at number three overall, mm-hmm. if we have to scrap that episode and re-record because we traded for Deshaun right before the draft. I'm I'm cool with that. I'm I'm cool with I'm cool with taking one for the team and re-recording an episode. Absolutely. I was sitting there thinking about that when I'm doing all this work for, for the free agency and stuff this this week and talking about all these names and Justin Fields. And I'm sitting there looking at Justin Fields films. I'm like, this is all not gonna matter when Deshaun comes in. So and I'm happy. And that'll be I'll be completely stoked and fine with that. So all right. Well, let's wrap this up. Anything you guys want to add? Any any closing thoughts? No, just like Corey said at the beginning, like, subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends. It takes no time for you guys to do it. It helps us out a bunch. So would appreciate that. Um, and give us any feedback on Twitter, comments, or when, when you submit a review on, on iTunes, just ask, shoot a question, give us some feedback, tell us what you like, don't like. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Shout out to the huddle, uh, Roy and Riot, all the local Panthers groups. Um, but that does it for this week. Thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll be back next week. I haven't figured out the topic yet. Who knows what's going to happen this week? Uh, give us any feedbacks. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, once again, that's 704cast on Twitter. Email address. If you guys have any questions or uh, comments, anything you guys want us to talk about, that's 704cast at gmail.com. Uh, we are available on all platforms now, wherever you get your podcasts, the Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, um, but rate, subscribe, listen, uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, we, we are on Instagram this week. Same thing, 704 cast. Uh, shoot us a follow, interact with us, let us know what you think. But uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Peace. Appreciate you.